This week, we got a fantastic show. Jeff Mann and myself will be your host on this journey through how to find the most innovative tech at a security show, uh, as we've been spending a lot of time at conferences lately. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, a uh, hacker who gives up WikiLeaks, uh, dies, passed away uh, recently. Alex Stamos, there's a rumor that he might be leaving Facebook. We don't know how true it is or not, but we'll talk about that. Uh, the Israeli company that published attacks on AMD. Uh, reverse engineering a Cuban sonic weapon. Very, very detailed and fascinating story. Bug bounties are being published by popular streaming companies. Orbitz has a data breach. Uh, Siri is uh, configured to read hidden messages in certain circumstances, which is kind of interesting. Um, and... Of course, the show wouldn't be complete if we didn't cover one of our favorite topics, which is declaring something dead in our security industry. And the current uh, technology that is dead is, well, application security. We'll talk about all that and more on this episode of Paul Security Weekly. Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady. It's Paul's Security Weekly. I'm, of course, your host, Paul Azadorian. Excited to be here, as always, on Paul's Security Weekly. Hi, and welcome to the show. I totally introduce our host right now, but I've got a totally awkward boner. But we're... Oh, hey! I'm, I'm in the studio with you guys. That's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a plan. And we'll at least have one person listening. That's right. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah I, I know. And I appreciate it. And I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed your spooning with Jeff. But, uh, you know. Hey, that's actually built a new office. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, third baby on the way, so I needed a new office. Nice. I, I, I lost my old office. That's now the baby room. Brought to you by NetSparker, the developers of desktop and cloud-based web application security scanners that enable you to automatically identify vulnerabilities in your web applications and web services. NetSparker scanners employ a unique and dead-accurate vulnerability scanning engine that automatically verifies vulnerabilities with their proof of concept. For more information, visit them on the web at netsparker.com or email at contact at netsparker.com. The average time between being hacked and realizing you've been hacked is one year. Can you afford to let an intruder roam your network for that long? Can your company weather the fallout when this comes to light? Black Hills Information Security can find the bad guys in your network and train you to do it yourself. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a hunt teaming engagement can help you find a persistent threat in your network. In 2017, an increasing number of companies reported they did not have effective insider threat detection methods. Logarithms UEBA solutions enable you to detect and neutralize user-based threats in real time, while built-in scenario and behavior-based analytics empower you to expose insider threats, compromised accounts, and privileged misuse. Visit Logarithm.com to learn how their UEBA solutions can help you expand visibility and enhance detection capabilities. Good evening and welcome to the show. I feel like it's Groundhog Day. <sighs> I am wearing the Nolacon hoodie because Paul, the the head of the show, gets to wear the 10-year anniversary hoodie. With that, I'd like to introduce the man wearing the hoodie, Mr. Paul Asadorian. 
Welcome everyone to this edition of Paul Security Weekly. Of course, your host Paul Sidorian. It's episode 552. We're coming off uh, some really interesting travel. Last week it was Secure World in Boston. This week it was InfoSec World. There was weather and all kinds of craziness going on. We still have people trapped in Orlando. I think they're actually happy to be trapped in Orlando. I mean, who doesn't want to be trapped in the warmer weather when you live in Rhode Island? Uh, so, but we did manage uh, to pull a show off for you uh, this evening, uh, despite some of the logistics going on. And I'm, of course, very uh, excited uh, to talk about some of the things that we've learned at conferences. Speaking of conferences, Source Boston will be happening v- in May, actually. I have the dates right here for you. May 9th. Through the 10th, you can go to sourceconference.com and register using the code SW75WMKW and get a $75 off discount at sourceconference.com. That's for the Boston Source Conference. Social Engineering Rhode Island, se-ri.org to register. Patrick Laverty will be joining us um, Actually, already joined us for an interview. If you missed it, that was last week. Make sure you check that out and make sure you go uh, register and get your ticket. On the lines via Skype, of course, is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jeff Mann. Jeff, it's nice to have you here this evening. It is uh, great to be here, Paul, and I'm glad that somebody made it back to do a show this week. Yes, yes. It's a long story how I actually made it back. I'll, I'll spare our listeners uh, talking about that. InfoSec World was uh, a great conference, though. Uh, I got a chance to catch up uh, with some old friends, uh, Dave Kennedy, Kevin Johnson, um, and, and many others uh, were there, and uh, we got to hang out a little bit. My family came out with me to Disney, so uh, kind of limited my, my conference time, but uh, my family doesn't often come out uh, to the conferences, so it was nice. Uh, yeah, it's a real shame that family got got in the way of work. Yeah, but. right? <laughs> Yeah, it was a good. It was a good change of pace. So, uh, it was. Nice hey, uh, what are the dates of the Social Engineering Rhode Island Conference? I have no idea. Oh, June sixth. I do know. June sixth at Salve Regina University. I think. We'll I feel about- like there ought to be some sort of like an escape room type of exercise that you have to go to 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 gain admittance into a social engineering right? conference. Right. There was an escape room game at Infosec World. Uh, I didn't get a chance to participate, but. Uh, there was an escape room uh, kind of thing going on. I forget the name of the company that was doing it. I actually didn't get a chance to talk with them. Uh, I think one of the other Security Weekly crew members uh, did hopefully get a chance to catch up with them because I thought it was interesting. And maybe that's why they're not back. They haven't maybe gotten out Maybe they're yeah, stuck <laughs> in an escape room, uh, perhaps. So um, I did in this segment, Jeff, want to talk about how to find the most innovative tech at a security show. Now, Jeff, you've been to uh, a lot of conferences, and of course, uh, ones that are geared towards the security community, I think mm-hmm. it's really easy to find uh, more innovative ideas and, uh, about security, and you just you know you go to talks and you listen to the people speaking at the event, and you hope that they have uh, new and exciting ideas to share with you, and you hope that you learn uh, from them. But uh, Jeff, how, and I want to kind of start with your experiences, when you go to a, a show that is both a, an industry event and a community event. Um, like, what what do you hope to get out of maybe talking with some vendors? That's a great question because uh, 
you know, I've actually been to a lot of events in the last six months or so, uh, kind of representing Security Weekly. So being on the lookout for any cool tech or cool companies that are doing something innovative and different that either uh, you know, might have something for a tech segment for us or they might be interested or, or they might just have somebody that we can interview um, or ultimately having somebody that uh, you know, wants to be a sponsor for the show. So I, I, you know, full disclosure, most of the time I go to trade shows because I've been, I've been going to trade shows literally for 30 years. Um, uh, and at some point, probably about ten years ago, everything started uh, repeating itself, and mm-hmm. and uh, all the names and logos and everything just seems to blur together. Although the first trade show I went to was an Avsia convention in D.C., and I want to say it was back in '87, where uh, you know they had Jeeps and Humvees and all sorts of cool radios and hardened. Uh, laptops that you could drop off a roof and they wouldn't break. So that was high tech back then. Um, I'm a little bit more discerning, I guess, because I I I try not to seek out the tech. I I try to find something that's uh, a little bit different and maybe a little bit uh, n- sort of off the beaten path. You know, there, there's yeah. a lot of usually in a, usually you, you pick up a when you walk the trade show floor you usually pick up especially the big ones like RSA and Black Hat somehow magically there seems to be a theme that everybody's mm-hmm. kind of picked up on the there's the buzzword of the of the year or, or you know whatever's the hottest kind of trends in technology I steer towards the things that are a little bit more one off uh, you know maybe the smaller on the fringe because I figure all the big booths are getting enough attention anyway so. So if if there's anybody that's doing anything that's crypto related, I, I tend to focus on those and try to have a conversation since crypto is in my background. Sure. Um, the last couple years, I, I and maybe I'm this is revealing a mean streak in myself, but I like to, and it's not fair necessarily if it's the salespeople. I, just, I saw in your notes you sort of have a strategy based on who you're meeting well, in the booth. Yeah, and I wanted to frame that. So I know a lot of us <laughs> in the security community, we go to community events where there really isn't a whole lot of sponsors or industry people there. There are, of course, a number of conferences where there's a lot of uh, vendors there. Now, I mm. get it. Like if you're a security researcher or you're an enterprise defender or you're just looking to get into security, going up and talking to the vendors is probably not like really high up on your list of things to do. Uh, in this industry, you'd much rather be in the talks learning stuff. And I get it. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times I would too. However, as my role has kind of um, uh, taken shape, you know, in the industry today, I want to know what all the vendors are up to for our Enterprise Security Weekly show uh, and our Business Security Weekly show. I want to know what all the vendors do. Um, and so we've uh, kind of taken on an analyst role so we can talk about the companies in our industry and identify ones that are actually solving problems for people, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and as Jeff said, you know, we look for sponsors, we look for interviews, um, and so we've kind of had to have a, a strategy around uh, the trade show floor. And what I thought was interesting that I had never really thought about before, right? When I worked for a company and I was in search of security solutions, I walked the trade show floor really with no plan. I didn't, I just walk up and kind of like talk to people at the booth and I was either impressed or I wasn't. Over time, I've 
developed a lot more strategy and thought about it a lot more. Um, and and uh, transparently, one of our goals, right, is to gain some brand recognition, not just with the security community, which is why we do shows like B-Sides and, and DEF CON, right? But I want to build brand recognition with the industry as well. And we really look at ourselves as the bridge uh, between the two uh, in a lot of our shows. This show, so long story short, I want to focus on if you're at an industry show, how do you find the most innovative tech, right? That's what I feel like mm -hmm. our audience is after. You can talk to cool people that are doing cool things in the industry. But what I found is that companies send a very uh, random mixture of people to a very random mixture of shows. And so sometimes you'll walk up to the show floor. And so it happened to me the other day at InfoSec World. And like, lo and behold, I'm talking to the CEO of the company, right? And then on the complete flip side, I might be in another show and I'm talking to like a total security research ninja, like awesome technical person. And then everyone else in between. So it just in that in and of itself makes it difficult to find some innovative tech at the show. Now, do, do ahead, you Jeff. find it true, Paul, that, uh, and it's probably a hit or miss, but in my experience, the, the larger the booth, the splashier the booth, the more that they've hired, you know, some sort of entertainment act, the, the less I want to talk to that company or and the less likely you're you are to find that one person that knows the tech that you can really talk to. Yeah. Do, do, do you see that? Absolutely. In fact, it goes uh, in the last part of the segment. Uh, one of the things that will really just make me not even go up to the booth is if you've hired booth babes of any mm -hmm. kind. If I male or female that, or other. Male, female. Like it doesn't matter. Like if you're doing basically if you're hiring people outside of. Uh, you know, your company to represent you at the booth uh, mm -hmm. in that capacity to present a certain kind of image. I, I just, I discount you. I'm like, you know, it's out, it's out. Um, I don't agree with that tactic at all. And given our, the various missions you might have visiting a security company at a, a trade show, uh, it doesn't help any of those. Like whether you want to just know what they're about, you want to learn about their tech, maybe you want to, uh, talk to one of their technical people, whatever, it, that doesn't help. So anyway, most of the time, what I've found is that you'll find salespeople are the ones mm -hmm. primarily staffing the booths. Now, I really want to collect some statistics from various conferences that have sponsors and talk to them about who they send. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this data is available or if you could do it across conferences. It would be really interesting to see who companies send to various trade shows, what I've kind of experienced are is it's mostly salespeople. It's mostly salespeople in that local area yep. that are looking to sell to people in that local area. And and they're usually a little bit irritated that they have to work the booth because it's taken away from their time to actually sell and make a living. Uh, not always, not but, always I, but a lot I've of, been to plenty of booths yeah. where there's, you know, the the people manning the booth that are supposedly selling the tech or the or the company are, are uh, to put it politely, very disinterested in actually being at the booth. And they're disinterested in what you have to say too, yep. especially yep. if you're not a customer. I'm very transparent. Paul from Security Weekly, I give him the whole spiel. Like we're the bridge for the industry and community. I want to mm -hmm. understand what you do so that I can represent you well to our audience. 
and see where right. you you fit in the industry. And I also maybe we want to work with you as a sponsor uh, or a partner of ours, you know, to to help get your message out there. And like mm-hmm. I feel like is like when I'm halfway through that, they've already like tuned me out. And and not everyone, obviously, but there's a percentage of people that I'm like, whoa, whoa wait, like why are you so disinterested in in what I'm saying? Like you, whether, regardless of why you're here at the conference, you represent the company that you work for. And yep. you should be able to have a friendly conversation about what you do. Like, I'm not asking any earth-shattering questions. I just want to know what you do. What problems do you solve? What challenges do you help people with in the industry? Obviously, you're here mm-hmm. because you solve some problem or you help people with some kind of challenge in the industry. Right. So right. I've developed some questions and these are evolving, but I feel like they've evolved enough where I want to talk about them on the show that if you're listening to the show and you're going to a trade show this year, uh, when you encounter a salesperson, and I like the shows that do put the title, I like to know who I'm talking to so I can frame the discussion, at least in the early stages. What you'll find mm-hmm. is some salespeople are like, wow, you like really technical and you develop. I've encountered people at the booth that were like one woman was in the industry as long as I have been and had worked for some of the very early security companies and she could hold her own with a a ton of different types of conversations about security. Like that was awesome. So sometimes you do run into those people, which is cool. Other times you run into people that are in sales and and sales is hard dude. like, don't discount those people. But so we've got some questions. If you do encounter salespeople at a booth, don't discount it. Try these questions. So one of the questions that I like, can it, and it kind of masks what my real question is, but to get out of the salespeople useful information, I asked them, what is the biggest differentiator or like, what's the, like, why do people buy it? Like when you go sell your product to someone, what, what are the reasons they say they buy it? That could be, that's useful information for us. If we're looking around for some kind of solution or want to know what people do, asking the salespeople like, you know, hey, when you make a sale, what are your customers telling you that was the reason they bought it? Like, was it a, was it a feature? Was it a, and, and now segue off of that, a theme that I've heard when I ask about differentiators that a large percentage of the companies I asked said, well, you know, technical features are technical features, but we're the easiest to use and we're the easiest to deploy. Now I heard that from so many people that I kind of felt like I've been fed a line by a lot of these companies. Now, I don't want to discount the ones that really are easy to use and easy to deploy, but as Jeff and I and a lot of our listeners know, most of our listeners know, to get to that point is a lot of freaking work in engineering (laughs) behind that. And to have that, most of the vendors tell me that, I kind of do feel like that that's just like a crutch that they fall back on when they get asked that hard question about like all of the endpoint companies as an example, like what do you... What do you fall back on? They're like, oh, but, you know, yeah, I know, you know, all these other companies are doing these cool things, but, you know, you can deploy us in, in minutes and when we're easy to use. I'm like, really? You know, as I'm thinking about it more, you know, one thing I used to do when I was, uh, you know, actively a consultant uh, and and being vendor independent or vendor neutral mm-hmm. Uh, I always wanted to know what the best of breed products were out there. What's sure. new and, and what's you know what's the 
coolest new tech. Um, similar to the question you're asking, a question that I would often ask when I would go up to companies at a booth, or even if I'm encountering them at a client site, you know, there's various ways that you encounter vendors. But one question I would always ask is, who's your competition? Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? It, because you can ask that question in a lot of different ways, right? You can ask, well, mm -hmm. you know, what space are you in or like what features do you have and all this other stuff. But to help clear up that picture really fast, Jeff, I found myself asking that question. I'm like, all right, wait, yeah. before we go any further, like not even in the context of just in general, who's your competition, but you know, in your last, now we're talking to the salespeople still in your last right. three sales deals that you won or maybe lost Mm -hmm. Who uh, are what are the other vendors that your potential clients were evaluating, and that right. can give you a really good indication as to what space they're in, what kind yep. of technology they have. Yeah, so I think well, that's a you're very you're increasing question. the odds because you've probably never heard of the company you're talking to, yes. but maybe you've heard of who the competition is, and right. especially you know we're talking about mostly going up to new companies to startups, and they've. They've come about because mm -hmm. they want. They think they can do something better than some big big name company. So they're more than likely going to mention the big name company that or product that we have heard of. So yeah, that right. that helps us identify. Okay, oh, they're that. Mm -hmm. And then you can start framing you know follow up questions. How do you differentiate yourselves from that product? I know right. that product. Yeah. Tell me how you're better than that product now, or different. You know, most salespeople aren't as technical as our audience here. I mean, we know that. And I want to discount salespeople that may be technical. Um, mm -hmm. I also don't want to discount some salespeople that could really use some work to bring up some of their technical skills. And a lot of them are working on that as well because you do need a certain level of technical knowledge in order to sell in our industry. But the question I like to ask to get some technical information from a salesperson is, hey, like, Okay, even if you're a new salesperson in this industry, like if you've done a demo with a customer and you're a sales engineer, you've gone to a customer, you've done a demo, like what have your customers been most impressed with? Like what feature, what what thing inside your product most impresses people? And that's a great way to get from a salesperson some information that our audience that listens to this show might want to know from a vendor. Um, so mm. this is kind of like social engineering at a security trade show <laughs> uh, for our audience. So I like that question too. Uh, also, along those lines, like, like, why do people buy your product? Like, what, when they come to you, what problem do they have? Or, you know, why, why, when you make a sale, why did they say, well, like, I bought it because of X, Y, and Z? Those are questions that most salespeople can answer that may dig into uncovering some of the uh, technical aspects of the product. Um, mm -hmm. I think those were the same. Um, now, I well, it, an extension ahead, of that, and I, you know, I have to throw the PCI card at some point. Um, you know, one of the one of the answers given to why do the customer buy your product very Clients. often yep. is because, especially I've been to a lot of PCI type of trade shows sure. because it meets a particular compliance requirement. You can use this product to to meet requirement X Y Z, and that if you're familiar with whatever compliance they're talking about again, can help you figure out what oh, it is that they're doing. Funny story you reminded me of uh, that ties into my question number six in the show notes, which is Michael Santarcangelo's question, what problem do you solve? Oh. I've also heard it phrases, what challenges do you help people address, right? Because mm. some people don't, and I actually had a salesperson tell me this, he's like, I don't like phrasing it as what problems I solve for you. 
I like phrasing it as what challenges can I help you with because problem is like too strong of a word. It has a negative connotation. I'm like, that's cool, dude. Like, I get that. Um, mm-hmm. But so it, it, rather than, you know, I lead in with, uh, rather than leading in with what problems do you solve? Uh, because y- you never get the right answer with that. So I've almost given up with that as a lead-in question. Now mm-hmm. I tend to ask that later on in the process because so many people just would fail uh, right off the bat. But one uh, company that I asked, uh, I said, you know, what, what problem do you solve? And it wasn't even my first question. And they're like, well, GDPR. I'm like, how long have <laughs> you been in business? They're like, oh, like five or six years. I'm like, GDPR is new. Like how are you in existence to solve a GDPR problem? Like that's your answer to that question? I'm like, do you, do you want to like change your answer? Like are you, is that your final answer? <laughs> is that your final answer? Because yeah. if that's your final answer, I'm moving on to the next booth. I'm sorry. Like that was just a terrible answer. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I actually did run into that's a true story. But that's a great example of uh, – and I don't know how we're going to do this episode without bashing salespeople at some point. But salespeople get trained on what are the latest buzzwords, sure. what are the hot topics, what are the hot trends. And they, if, if you're lucky, they know how to use that word in a, in a sentence. Right. Uh, you know what I was going to say earlier. What I what I've been doing the last couple of years at trade shows, especially, uh, it's been something I'm warming up to give a talk on. Uh, the whole idea of the risk equation and the elements of the of the risk equation being threats, vulnerabilities, and security. Uh, you know, threats were big the last couple of years at trade shows. I would walk up to a booth that had threat plastered on on their signage, and I would ask whoever I encountered, "What do you guys do?" with threat what is a threat explain yeah, to me what threat yeah. is and 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 you know if it's a salesperson they usually couldn't answer it i'd move on to the tech person even they had a, a, a hard time uh defining threat outside of the context of what they're trained to say they do for threat sure. well we have threat solutions we do threat intelligence we do threat this we threw that threat that i'm like yeah but what is a threat yeah. and how does oh, it yeah. fit into the overall we'll equation that point. you know what's interesting too jeff uh is in, I get kind of like a little loopy talking to all these vendors at the show. Sure. And in the social engineer, like, a, I don't know if it's a social engineering thing, but uh, it's a, a social thing. Like, I, I think most people that go up to a booth kind of approach very cautiously. Like, they're not sure if they want to talk to the person that, that's standing behind the booth. Uh, and that person tends to be very welcoming. And they'll, you know, just be very kind of timid when they walk up to the booth and they'll stand around and, and, and wait and stuff. And like when I'm halfway through a show or like day two of a show, dude, and I'm like, I walk up to the booth, like I make eye contact with one or two people and I like, I if they have a chair, because I've been standing for, for mm-hmm. you know, a day or more, I just walk up and I'm like, I'm just going to sit down right here. Like I, I'll wait for you to be done. Like I, we need to talk, but I'm going to sit down right here. Like people, the vendors are like sometimes taken back by that. They're like, who is this person who just came up and sat in our booth and like expressed all this interest in talking with us? I'm like, no, I want to talk to you. I want to understand what you do. And, and they're so taken back by that. Like they don't know what to say. They're like, who, who are you? What, what did you do? Why are you sitting <laughs> in our booth? And I'm just like so comfortable. I'm like looking at their swag. I'm like, oh, these are pretty nice pens and like joking with them. Like they're really taken back by that. And I guess my advice is like, don't be like whoever comes up to your booth, you just got to, you got to deal with it and treat everyone equally. Um, and it was funny. I did that with uh, a large firewall vendor. I won't say who it is, but 
there was like five or six of them and nobody else was in the booth. It was only the people that worked for this company. And I kind of like poked my head in and I'm like, are you guys having a meeting or something? They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, good. I'm going to come in and have a seat. And they were all just kind of looking at me like, is this a trick? Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> and after 10 or 15 minutes of talking with them, uh, it was funny. A, a, a very nice woman that worked there was like, she's like, have you worked in the industry? I'm like, yeah. I told her all about my background. I've had a technical background in the industry. She's like, oh, okay. And then she was like much more relaxed and they and we had a good uh, conversation. So it has been very interesting visiting all of these booths. So um, you may encounter more technical people. Now, typically the most technical person you're going to get is someone like a sales engineer or an evangelist. You do sometimes get research engineers uh, or developers. That's more rare. But most shows you're going to get an evangelist or uh, a sales engineer. Nothing wrong with that. Technical features are um, what feature that they like best about their product. So if you're a security evangelist or product evangelist or you're a sales engineer, I like to ask them, like, what do you like best about your product? And more importantly, what feature in your product do you like that you wish more people knew about? Because I think every evangelist and every sales engineer has those features that they're like, mm. this is so cool. And when I go talk to people about it, no one has any idea that we have this feature. But it's so cool. And that's a great way to understand uh, a lot of different concepts in security, not just about a product or a feature, but more about why the sales engineer thinks that's a cool feature, like because it gives you this really cool piece of information that you really can't get anywhere else. And I think that's so cool. Like that can actually help you learn about security. So I think that's a really good question. And also if you're going to get a demo, and I get people offer me to do a demo all the time and I don't always take it because I'll start talking with them and they'll start talking about their product and they're like, oh, I can just show you in a demo. I'm like, no, 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 dude. Like, we're still talking. Like, you don't just get to show me <laughs> the product to answer all my questions. Like, you don't get to rely on that clutch. Like, you have to be able to talk about it. If I've got a specific question or I want to see a specific thing, you can go do a demo to do a specific thing. And I did that. It was a great example of Black Hat with a, a threat intelligence vendor that did that very well. And I kind of pushed off the deal. I'm like, no, no, no. And then when he was talking, I'm like, wait a minute, go back. What is that one thing that you do? And he's like, well, we do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, show me that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. And, and mm -hmm. that's a strategy that's, that's worked for me as well. Yeah, you, you remind me of the uh, place where we used to work and, and some of the, you know, I'm thinking about all the times that I've been behind the booth you yep. know, t taking it from that perspective. And one of the struggles that a lot of our sales engineers had at our former place of employment was that there were so many layers and features built into certain yes. of our products that they were pushing that to, to have that conversation with them to say, oh, show me that one thing. Uh, uh, unless it was in their script, unless they knew about it, it was really hard f very often for them to drill down to that exact thing. Right. Some of them did better than others, but, yep. you know, it, it, you know, I'm, as I'm listening to you talk, uh, you know, even just your experience of going in and sitting down, I'm wondering, you know, there's a psychology to some of this that might be in play if that's where you're going that, you know, how much when you're trying to approach a, a booth to try to, to get to the facts and get the real information, are you engaging in some sort of uh, dynamics that you're trying to, you know, be, be disruptive, you know, enter their space, right. break them out, yeah. break them out of the, 
you know, they, they, they've given the spiel a hundred times already right. that day. And, and yeah. unless you do something dramatically different, they're in a rut and they're just going to be spieling, you know, doing it's the, very the true. spiel. And I, I think I did that almost subconsciously, Jeff, right? Because mm. most people that go up to the booth, like they really don't want the sales pitch, I feel like, right? Like most people right. that go, not most people, but there are people that go through the show floor I mean, I can't blame them. Like, they're there for the free stuff. Like, I want to take some stuff home for my kids. I, mm-hmm. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever. Like, you want to bring some free stuff home for your kids. No, one, no one's going to fault you for that. I mean, there are people that, like, really work hard to get all the stuff. And even, like, whatever. Like, vendors are giving out free stuff. And so I think that most people that approach the booth, the people at the booth are like, well, these are people that don't really want to be sold. Because we're the security community, and I think we're very sensitive to that. So I've taken the opposite approach. I go in and I sit down and I say, yes, I want to I hear what you have to say. And that's right. so disruptive and backwards from all the other people that have gone into their booth that they're taken back by it. Uh, and right. it is very much a, a psychology thing. So, um, Well, and I think, of the, again, it's the big booths, the booths that have a lot of money invested in the booth. That they have seats. Those make are the ones you that have sit seats. through the presentation yeah. Yeah. to get the T-shirt right. or get whatever right. the prize is. I'm not going to sit through the presentation. I don't want your T-shirt, uh, just as a general rule. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to hover around the edges looking for somebody to talk to. Right. But, uh, you know, like you were saying, you wish you had some sort of statistics on some of this stuff. I would love to know what the success rate is for the booths that make you sit through a presentation. Yeah. Having said that, though, uh, when I do go to shows, I do get stuff for my kids and for people here in the office. Now, it serves right. a couple of different purposes. Um, being that we have shows that are very focused on the uh, security vendor solutions like Enterprise Security Weekly – I like mm-hmm. to have visual reminders of the different vendors in the space. So when I see a pen in the yep. office or a, you know, someone throws a squishy ball at my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the vendor that did this. So it actually helps you know, make that association. However, when I go to a booth and I show genuine interest to understand what they do, the vendors are like, take whatever you want. Like I get my yep. pick because they know I'm not just a person that's like sneaking – you know, just grabbing their stuff to go resell it somewhere or right. whatever. You get your if you do show genuine interest, the the vendors will give you whatever they want because I mean you've heard their pitch now, right? But yep. now you can have that thing and try and make a connection in your brain to what they do with the thing that they gave you and have it be a reminder. That's just one mm-hmm. thing that I do. It doesn't always work out. Uh and a lot of it is just, you know, my kids like to have, you know, stuff from the vendors. Uh, and I tend not to let them have the like lightsabers that they're gonna you know beat each other with. Uh, and my older son does like he's like, Dad, I need you to save those for the studio. Right, I do actually keep those in the studio and away from the kids. Uh, and my older son now actually wants like um, notebooks and stuff. He's like, I want I want a, a new notebook, and so that's pretty cool. Um, so what happens when you come up against an event marketing person? And to no fault of their own. Event marketing people have a really hard job, and the level of coordination that goes through pulling off a trade show booth is a ton, a ton, ton of work. Um, And they're in event marketing. Their job is to get the event logistics handled so that the company get their message out at the event. However, if you do walk up to a booth and the only person available is they're like, oh, well, I'm the events marketing person, um, you can ask them for navigation help. You can say, well, you know, who did you send 
to the show from your organization. Like who is staffing your booth? And they may say, you know, well, we've got some salespeople. We've got that. And you say, well, have you sent any technical people? And they may be able to answer your question and say, well, yeah, they're here, but they're giving a talk. Oh, you had someone giving a talk. Like what were they speaking about? Who was it? That event marketing person is the navigator for you at that booth. They can tell you who's there, who's not. And more importantly, if someone's giving a talk, even what the topic is uh, of the talk they're giving. So yeah, don't that, discount that was if you my talk thought, to that Paul, person. was more than navigation. They know what the schedule is. They, yes. Know, yes. they know who the tech people are that are yep. there from the company, and they know where they're going to be and when. Uh, and you know, if anybody knows that they do, and, and they can tell you, oh, well, you know, he's speaking over here, he's speaking there. Right. But he's going to be at the booth from 2 to 3 o'clock. If you want to hit him at the booth, that's when he's going to be here. Right. So, yeah, they, they're the traffic cops. They know where, where the people are. Yes. Uh, hey, I have a question yeah, for you. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Um, you know, obviously this is tech-focused uh, and technology-focused, but um, – you know, I've been a consultant for many years, and I've been to lots of trade shows where the companies that are uh, have booths are pro services companies, not necessarily tech products, sure. but pro services. Uh, your thoughts? How do, how does the conversation change? What what kind of questions do you want to ask uh, if you're looking for services? Yeah, I think um, the services companies that I've spoken with uh, all kind of have their specialties. Um, mm -hmm. so you, I would lead in with like what their specialty is in providing services to the community. Um, it also, I think segues very nicely into some of the things that I don't, that I think are kind of, and I'm trying to be nice about it, but basically they're a waste of our time, right? When mm -hmm. we're at a trade show and I find to me, a turn off to me at a trade show is when, uh, a services company or a reseller or even two vendors are sharing a booth. Mm. I just, I, I don't, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't jive well with me. I, I want to, I want to talk to you and they're like, oh yeah, we're here with this person. And I'm like, so like, what do you both do? And like, why are you here together? Like, I, like you couldn't pull this off on your own. Like that's, uh, and you, you sell two different things, but maybe you're partnering together like to me that's just weird like who do i talk to first i just i don't know to me it's just weird when mm -hmm. you know uh well checkpoints here and there's one person from checkpoint uh, just using checkpoint as an example but you know right. here's our value added reseller that's also here staffing the booth it's like well so who am i talking to you about am i talking right. to you because you want me to buy from a reseller or you want to buy from Checkpoint, or how do I figure out what the reseller does versus what Checkpoint? I just think the whole thing is, and no, and there wasn't a knock on Checkpoint. Uh, it was just a, a, a poor example that I happened to use a, a specific vendor from the industry. It's not a knock on anyone, but well, it's it's sort of a variation on a theme of the you know using the local salespeople. You sure. Know, you're, yes. You're staffing. The, you know. You don't want to knock a company for being frugal, but if you're going to be at the trade show, yeah, um, you you need to invest in it and and to not to not staff your booth with people that can handle the load. Uh, you should rethink whether you should be at that show or not. I agree. I guess. Yeah, it's like we're a security vendor and we want to support the show, but our reseller in that area is going to be at the show. 
So we'll just kind of go under their banner. Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's weird. And some people may disagree, and that's fine. I think it's weird. I think when I go to a trade show floor, if you're an awesome reseller or, or an awesome services company, I want to talk to you. And if you're a security vendor, I want to talk to you. And those are two different conversations uh, for me. Anyway, um, right. I also find the printed materials that they hand you are completely useless, at least on the mm-hmm. trade show floor. I don't want to, sp- if I wanted to read something about your company, I would go online before the show and I would read something about your company. I would read your white papers. I would read your data sheets. I would read your marketing materials. Mm-hmm. I-, I do that today. I can read. I can use the internet. That's fine. If I walk up to your booth and I ask what you do and you hand me a piece of paper, I'm going to politely hand that back to you and move on to the next one. That is not why I'm there. The whole reason I'm there is there's an actual person or more from that company that I can have a conversation with about what problems and challenges you solve for people. That is the value to me. If you diminish that value by handing me something to read, I, I, I don't want anything to do with it, and I think now, we need to get away uh, are from Are you that. speaking about all all types of printed material or, or more the white paper, uh, more, you know, for lack of a better term, the more heavy, heavily marketing fluff types of things? Like, I think of, you know, just simply a product brochure, maybe a tech spec, even a price pricing sheet, something like that, uh, might be something that I grab and look at later. Very um, few exceptions. uh, uh to this rule of printed material. Um, mm-hmm. And it depends on how they set it up. I can tell you, if everyone did their printed materials like this next example, I would welcome it with open arms. There was one particular security vendor that I was talking with them about, well, what do you do and what problems do you solve for people? And he said, well, we're a really large company and we do lots of things. He's like, so I printed this page and he's like, this is the, the product on this column, and this is the problem that it solves for you. And then this third column is the impact that it'll have in your organization. And he's like, I, I put all this together. I'm like, okay, I'll take that printed material. Like if everyone right. could print that material for me and everyone in the community we go to a trade show, we'd all be in a much <laughs> better place. I'm like, did you like grand slam, knocked it out of the park? That is, mm-hmm. yes, that is the type of material that I would want to take with me every single time. Um, and I when I brought that piece of paper back because he like had his marketing team like print off black and white copies of it um at like the last minute and i'm like dude you're awesome a for the day for you um and i took that piece of paper back and i told my team do not lose this piece of paper because it represents what i want more security vendors to do at these shows uh Mm -hmm. and use this as a model so that's really my kind of one big exception to uh the printed materials Mm-hmm. The majority of the other printed materials are really just stuff I could probably go read on your website, and that's yep. not of that's not of usage to me either. Mm. Um, Fair enough. The uh, also the and you mentioned this too, Jeff. The signage, and mm-hmm. if you have a TV monitor, and it's just like looping a message, even some of the demos and stuff. That's not a, that's really not useful to me. And a lot of times I look at what's printed on the the signage. Um, it, it, it's just not useful. And it usually is just filled with buzzwords. It doesn't yep. tell me what you do. So even if I were to read the signage, and I do, I read the signage and I'm like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. That's just as useless as going to a lot of people's websites that haven't you know, put their messaging together to answer the first question of a problem they solve. 
I'm seeing mm-hmm. the same poor messaging on the signage. Like you said, I'm seeing we we help with threat detection or we're UEBA or whatever we are. It's not it's not useful to anyone. So flip that around for a minute. I know that's not the primary purpose of this segment, but if you're a, a vendor that wants to have a booth and you want to be at a particular show, uh, what what do you want to have your booth look like? What What is something that's going to attract you or the buying, you know, ultimately it's the buying public to walk up to your booth? I mean, sure. that, that's kind yeah. of the $64,000 Absolutely. And we talk about this on Business Security Weekly. So just really quickly, um, I want to see your company and your brand and your logo, right, that mm-hmm. represents you so I can identify that with you. And I want to see your like point of view statement. I want to see that one thing that separates you apart in in a single message. And, and what I tell Vent and what we talk about on Business Security Weekly is like for a lot of things when it comes to company messaging and branding, it's about one thing, right? You pick one problem that you solve and pick one great way that you solve that problem and take that message and, and put it on your sign so that when I walk up, I know... Like what you, who you are, what you do, and that problem you solve and why you solve it better than anyone else. And that's uh, a whole theme of, of topics that uh, we've talked about on Business Security Weekly that we've gleaned from lots of different books that we've read uh, and even interviewed the authors from some of those books. That's what I want to see in your signage, right? Mm. So if you're an endpoint protection company, what's your one thing? You know, And that's right. the question I ask because there's so many people obviously in endpoint protection. That's what I ask. And I'll mm-hmm. kind of start with like what you do, and I'm like, oh, all right, all right. You pick one thing, like one one problem you solve, and one way you solve it. Like, what's your one? You get one thing, and they're like, well, we do a lot of things great. I'm like, pick your one thing, your one thing, dude. What is it? And, and that can stump some people, but it is. But you know, if you think about the genesis of most most products. I'm sure there's exceptions to this, but most people create a product, they they write an app, they create a tool, they create a product to solve a specific problem. And a lot of times it's because they were using something and it it, it wasn't working for them, so they decided to do it better. I mean, our, our former employer, Ron Gula, used to work for uh, what would have been called a cloud provider these days. It, they were a little bit ahead of their time, and he was working in the you know, the security group and, and doing intrusion detection and, and was limited in, in what the tools that he had at the time, what their capabilities were. So he went off and wrote his own, uh, intrusion detection that turned into a product and turned into a company. Um, you know, that's how they all start. Somebody sees a need and, and fixes one specific problem. So I, I agree with you, everybody at the company, whether it's the salesperson, the hired help, the, the sales engineer, the tech guy, the, the CEO, everybody should know we built this product because right. they should know the this. one thing. Yes. Yep. So hopefully this helped our uh, technical audience kind of navigate some of these conferences to get a little better uh, experience. Hopefully you heard the conversation between Jeff and I. And when you go to the next conference, be able to have uh, a little better experience, maybe have a little more fun, know some things to avoid uh, when you go up to all of the different vendors at a, a particular trade show. If you go to a show that does have vendors and you're not big on walking on the vendor floor, Maybe you hear this segment and you want to try it. Our goal really as Security Weekly is to kind of elevate 
the message. I don't want us to be the industry that poo-poos the vendors or complains about the vendors all the time. Let's elevate everyone so that we we do have these experiences at a, a trade show floor um, that we can kind of cut through a lot of the red tape that's associated with getting at exactly what these companies do or finding the technical person. So um, I really want to elevate the whole industry uh, in this light so that we all have a better experience. Uh, so that was the goal of the segment. I hope you liked it. Uh, and with that, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about the security news for this week. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 